to Not Safe for Network. I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. I'm Carl. Welcome to episode one of this show. We're going to start right off with some news items. Who wants to go first? Oh boy, this is going to be rough. First episode. <laughs> so let me give me a second to ease in there, buddy. <laughs> You're going to be on the microphone tonight, Carl. Okay. Gun in your mouth. <laughs> there we go. News. My phone is dead. That's news. I sent you a thing, a tweet that I saw that got me thinking, and I wanted to weigh in on it. What was the tweet? Oh, I know exactly what it was. So the, t- <laughs> the tweet was about how the budget for the Amazon Prime series of Lord of the Rings is $462 million. 65. So it says, yeah. hearing that the Amazon Lord of the Rings show costs $465 million because of extensive Tom Bombadil sequences. So that's a fairly innocuous tweet, but like for me, it just has so many fun layers because Tom Bombadil is just this ridiculous character. He's probably the most polarizing character in the Lord of the Rings universe. And it's that's funny in and of itself because like most people have never heard of him because I think that it's safe to say most people have seen the movie. The movies and not read the books. That's that, pretty safe. Does that yeah. feel safe to say? It feels safe to say. I to think me. every year it's safer to say. And even people that have read the books might have forgotten about him because he is in the very beginning of the first book of the trilogy, the Fellowship trilogy. I guess he appears throughout the Silmarillion, so he's kind of like the king of the Silmarillion. But like he is never a main person. He's always just kind of passing by or referred to in passing. There were sequences of him filmed for Peter Jackson's movie, but they didn't use them, and they didn't even put him in as deleted scenes or use him in the extended cuts. They just, like, vanished. So, okay, no Tom Bombadil in the movies, whatever, you know, life goes on. But uh, the thing is, is that the nature of the character is that he's the only being in the entirety of Middle Earth that is his has total mastery over himself and that there's nothing about himself that he feels is needs to change or that he has no weaknesses, really. He's like, master of his has, own domain. Yeah, <laughs> he is. He has no temptations. Like, there's a sequence in the book where Frodo and whatever – as they're going along, they wind up in these barrows, which I guess are like burial mounds. And these barrow whites, which are like undead creatures, come out, try to do something to them. And they wind up finding, I think it's called Sting, if I remember correctly. And it's this sword that glows in the presence of like the undead or evil or some shit. It allows them to kind of escape, get rescued, or they encounter maybe even don't get rescued by Tom Bombadil. He's hanging out with this nymph named the River Daughter, and he's just playing away on his flute <laughs> while she's <laughs> dancing for him, and he's singing songs and just having a good old time. And there's like long songs of his. He fucking Tolkien went nuts on the Tom Bombadil songs in the Silmarillion, apparently. <laughs> So some people think that he's like this totally great character that's super fun and is like just a great addition to the world. That's the camp I'm in. And then there's these 
totally insane people that think that he doesn't belong in the universe at all because he's just a cartoon character in like a serious fantasy world that has like a structure. He just is like this unnecessary, horrible extra part that shouldn't even be there. Like he would be the equivalent of like a studio note saying, <laughs> hey, we need a little comic relief. We need something. Yeah, we need a little <laughs> lechery here in this spot and a bunch of body songs and a dancing girl. So put that there. Those people are crazy because why wouldn't you want that stuff? Then also like there was a rumor, a separate rumor about the series, which is that it's going to have nudity and sex scenes. That feels like a rumor to me. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? for sure. Yeah. But that led to another tweet that was just like talking about now we're going to all see Tom Bombadil's massive dong. <laughs> 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 oh, and then somebody else tweeted out a projected budget for the mo- the series which was like one million dollars for the actors one million dollars for special effects four hundred and sixty five million dollars for Tom Bombadil <laughs> just like imagining that it turns into this insane series that just revolve in some insane weird way around him like they just like do the flipperoo make it like a Rosencrans and Guildenstern are dead situation and just be like let's have Tom Bombadil just be there the whole time. <laughs> so if you were to cast Tom Bombadil, who would you cast? Charlie Day. <laughs> That's <laughs> who I got for Tom Bombadil just off the top of my head without even thinking about it. It would have been Thomas Middleditch, but he did some gross shit. And now we have to question whether we want to watch that animated series anymore. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. I'm super sorry, but I learned something very super recently that is super interesting. And can I just throw it in there? It sounds super. Army of the Dead. News Zack Snyder movie coming to Netflix. So people who've listened to previous podcasts know I'm like the biggest Zack Snyder fan. So I'm biting at the bit right now. Here is the only reason that I have just found that has made me go, I'm going to watch this movie. Tignataro's in it, right? Uh-huh. Tignataro was not originally in the movie. 90 some percent of her performance is digital because they deleted Chris D'Elia from the movie and digitally replaced him with her. Who's that? Who? Chris D'Elia. Oh, Chris D'Elia was this comedian and actor. He had his own show called Undateable on, I think, CBS or something. Okay. He was on a Netflix show called You, playing a pedophile. Ironically, turns out he's had sex with a bunch of underage women. It's what got him deleted from this movie and basically, uh, as they would say, canceled, which really it's just like that got me thinking also about how like there's this weird the trajectory of a star used to be that they like would go for a while and their their star would rise and then it would peak and then it would start to fall and it would sort of dwindle away but now it like rises and rises and then it just hits a fucking wall when something horrible about him comes to light it's just a weird new trajectory that involves like a straight shot down yeah it makes me wonder (laughs) if there's going to be comebacks anymore I hope not there's plenty of fucking people out there that need a shot when we fucking watch the same people over and over again I mean granted as they age they can play different roles and stuff and I get that and people get old and die and you know time itself is a sort of weeder outer of that kind of thing but like why would we let people that do awful things continue to 
be the ones that entertain us. You know? Oh, 100% agree. Like, I just fuck, wonder man. if it's going to be a thing. I also, you know what I think is the biggest shift for me is I used to make the argument that you could separate the art from the artist. And I don't think I can do that anymore. Because, I mean, what's the point? There's so much shit out there that, like, why would I cling to this thing that is attached to something horrible when I can just as easily let go of it, pick something else up? There's a billion, trillion, gazillion, infinite things to pick up and be entertained by out there. There's zero reason to voluntarily choose a thing that is associated with a monster. I think for me, it's probably going to be along the same lines I've done it, but it's definitely getting more nuanced as the years are going by. A hard no is, is the person making money off of this? Like if the answer is yes, then there's no way that I'm going to consume that stuff, especially if it was something really heinous. But then if it's just like a shithead comment, that just kind of depends on how much it rubs me the wrong way. I might be able to ignore it if they're like a small character in a thing that I really love, if it's just like a shithead comment. But if it's like Kevin Spacey, I just like I'm out across the board on Kevin Spacey stuff. I love Baby Driver, for example. I've been wanting to watch Baby Driver endlessly, but I just can't bear to watch it because Kevin Spacey has a role in it and I just don't want my shekels going to him you know yeah I actually didn't watch Baby Driver until some of the stuff started coming out with about Kevin Spacey and it was really hard to get through that movie everything around Kevin Spacey is great and you're just like he's just such like a dark cloud in that yeah it, it was hard to get through even like Moon I didn't even realize he was in it until yeah. the credits and then I felt kind of angry because it's just like you tricked me <laughs> I should have recognized the voice but eh, I can't always recognize it I mean there's no denying a lot of these people were are talented you know Louis C.K. is talented there's jokes of his that still pop into my head and make me laugh. I can't help it. There are still things that I can't help but like make automatic associations in my head with. There are hours of me just it's fawning over Louis C.K. on the internet yeah. before all of that came out. It's but. disappointing is what it is. I want to like all these people. I, I want to be able to appreciate and consume their content, but they've gone and ruined it for us, you yeah. know, through their own bullshit, you know. It's not yeah. my fault that they went and did that shit. I have no obligation to be their fan. And all these people that just like cling with their blind hero worship. Sometimes I just want to take these people and be like, have you ever known somebody who's done something really fucked up? And then every time you think about a good memory with that person, you always think about the fucked up thing they did and it sours it. It's kind of the same thing. You know See, what I, I mean? Like all it's... those people defending him, they're that person. They're the person that soured the thing and you think of them. That's why they like defend these people because they see themselves in them. Yeah, you might be onto something there. So a couple of days ago, Jim and John Thomas have filed a lawsuit to get the Predator franchise back. They're the creators? Yes, they're okay. the creators. So there's this rule that was established in the courts with the Friday the 13th franchise. Basically, what they said was the writer can have the property back after 35 years. And so this guy won the lawsuit, which is why we haven't seen a Jason movie for a while. But the really weird thing is it's still a legal gray area with Jason because he's just this teen 
teeny tiny part of Friday the 13th. And so if somebody is to do a Jason movie, you can't have Jason, but you can have a hockey mask killer. And that's going to anger the fans. So as a result, there are no Friday the 13th movies because this guy can't get the bankroll. But it's the start of this trend of people taking back their material. And they're allowed to by copyright law. This was ruled on a few years ago. So these guys went and filed for Predator in 2016 with Fox. And Fox understood it was happening. It's not their first rodeo in that. And so it was supposed to roll over into this year. So it was like they filed it five years ahead of time. That's what they have to do for this grievance. So Disney said they missed the deadline. They didn't file the grievance on time. So this is becoming a big issue. So I just sort of want to go back and look at the last couple of years with Disney properties, them not meeting what they owe to previous creators from companies that they've absorbed. Just last week, Ed Brubaker oh, was talking about how he, in his cameo appearance in the Winter Soldier movie, he made more than he's made off of royalties for the Winter Soldier from Disney. That's insane. That should not happen. And I know that the comic book industry did that to a lot of people, but something like that for like a particular run, it really should have something that goes to the creator that's substantive because they came up with the idea. Yes, they were playing with other characters, but Bucky was just this kid sidekick who nobody cared about who died in the 40s and was just occasionally in a flashback, you know, when they launched it into the modern Marvel stuff. Like, he created the Winter Soldier. He really did, like the Mm -hmm. modern incarnation. And they've made so much money off of that. And as this episode airs, we'll have seen the finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's going on. So you've got it in their comic arm. Then on top of it, I also recall, because I was doing research for my ill-fated Star Wars podcast, this guy Alan Dean Foster, who wrote five Star Wars books for George Lucas, one oh, of them yeah, for I Disney. About him. <clears throat> yeah, he did the novelization for The Force Awakens, but he also did the novelization for A New Hope. He did a short story called Bait. He did another short story called The Approaching Storm. And maybe the most significant one is Splinter of the Mind's Eye because it was the very first EU book and it showed George Lucas that he could make money off of having extended universe stuff with Star Wars. And it's a goofy book now, but it still sells all the time. Like it's entertaining, even though it's goofy as shit and not in canon whatsoever. And he got zero royalties from them since Disney bought it out. He was also saying that his wife has cancer right now. He's got all these medical problems and all he wants is the money that they owe him because the royalties just stopped. And it actually wasn't right when Disney bought it out. It was about six years ago that they just stopped making payments. So they've had Star Wars even longer than that, but they just decided at a certain point, we're not going to pay this. So it seems like in a vacuum, maybe he was the only one, but then it came out that novelizations for Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, a couple of Buffy the Vampire Slayer books, and some Indiana Jones books. All of these were stuff that are still making money for Disney and they're not paying the royalties to the creators. Basically, my point here is that if you're going to absorb these properties, you need to pay the people who wrote these properties. And I am okay with only getting two Marvel movies a year, you know, maybe a Star Wars show a year if you take those proceeds and kick them back to the creators. Because that's just messed up, man. Pay the people for the work. Like, they put in the work. All of these guys on the Disney board had nothing to do with any of the creation of this stuff. And so they seem to think that they can just wash their hands of it and be done with it. Like, no, you have to pay these people. It's like if you went to work and you did all of this work and then they're like, well, we're not going to pay you. Like, that was two weeks ago. You know, and there's a new boss in charge. Like, I don't owe you that. Like, fuck you, motherfucker. You took over. Now you owe me that payroll. 
payroll. Like, it's ridiculous. So pay these people, Disney. Pay this man his money. Pay this yeah, man his pay money. him. The rent is too damn high. I got a story about uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Up for best actor, I believe, right now? I believe so. Actually, he will have won or lost by now. This goes back a little ways, but he was talking about it to Vulture this week. When he was filming the Bond movie Casino Royale, Daniel Craig's first joint. One of the best Bond movies, too, by my yardstick. It's pretty damn good. He got a copy of the script, and he was studying it on a plane and left it on the plane and got off and, like, realized that he left it on the plane, tried to get back on the plane. They wouldn't let him back on the plane. The copy of the script just got thrown in the trash. He was almost responsible for leaking the Casino Royale script. Jeez. Which, it could have been, like, a career killer. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of what he was in that was big before Casino Royale, and I'm coming up with donuts. I feel like I that mean, was, he was first he's been working since... Since late Casino 90s. Royale. Well, no, I he's mean, been working since. But I mean, like in terms of being like, a big name. Yeah. In America, was he in, wasn't he in Germany or something or wherever? I think he's Danish. So he was in Denmark? Yeah. And I'm not saying he didn't work before then, but that's the first thing that was like a people big, start to know his name. Yeah. And, you know, that was Like before. where he got known in America. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's where, you know, he goes on from that to do Hannibal and Star Wars Rogue One. But he might have been okay, too. I mean, I know they talk a big deal with this stuff, but then I think about, like, Tom Holland, who they always talk about how MCU just keeps this stuff under wraps. And, like, Tom Holland has leaked so many things, and all they've done is just make a joke out of it with him for the poster reveal for Spider-Man 3. Alfred Molina spilled all the tea and was talking about how, yes, I'm playing Dr. Octopus. Yes, it takes place right after my character was supposed to die. No, I didn't die like he's just like breaking down all of this stuff that's gonna happen in the movie and he's just basically like i don't give a fuck i'm an old guy what are you gonna do (laughs) yeah i think there's a difference though like being a relative no name at the time like guy Ritchie knew who he was apparently he was in uh king arthur oh yeah remember that big movie king arthur (laughs) wasn't that king oh anton fuqua sorry yeah, I don't think King Arthur did well. I I don't think there's been a King Arthur movie that's done well since, like, First Night, I want to say. But there's been, like, 20 of them. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Clive Owen. I mean, Clive Owen is. Kira Knightley. Ewan Gruffold. Gruffid. Who is that guy? What's he been in? Oh, the guy who played Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four movies. Oh, that guy? Yeah. <laughs> What's his name? Ian Gruffid. He must be, like, Gaelic. Okay. Mads Mikkelsen, Joel Edgerton, Hugh Dancy, Ray Stevenson. Wait, Stellan wait, 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 hold on. Did you say Hugh Dancy? Yeah. The He's cast Galahad. of Hannibal, they were like reuniting for that show? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, no, no, this is before that. That's what I'm saying, though. Like for Hannibal, they reunited. Yeah. I didn't know we were watching a, what was it, King Arthur reunion? <laughs> yeah, and like, uh, I actually was curious when you mentioned Mads Mikkelsen because I saw a sort of little snippet of an interview with him where he was talking about Hannibal and how in the, like, one of the last episodes he almost kissed Will Graham. He yeah. got real close to kissing him. I guess there are homoerotic romantic undertones between the two 100%. of them. 100%. Yeah. Which I didn't get through season three. I, like, kind of fell off that show. 
show. I did, And I too. think that's where it, it happens the most is that during the course of season three. It's even before that. Like I'm I, sure there's – yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean I was picking up Stuff on it in the second season I think. But uh, I now understand more clearly why it was canceled. Because <laughs> the more overt it got, the scareder the fucking assholes got. It was also expensive and it was never a big ratings grabber. Like, I love that show. I thought it kind of like put a shot back in the arm of the whole Hannibal franchise. It did Hannibal in a very different way. And I thought it was fantastic. But I also dropped off in the third season. It wasn't because of quality. It was just because I knew it was canceled. And I just didn't have the heart to like plow through and finish it because I was just every episode I was mad that it was going to get canceled. And I knew it wasn't going to be a satisfying conclusion. We almost didn't get him not kissing Hugh Dancy and Hannibal because of this script. That's what you're saying, right, Brandon? That's the news. We just got to yeah. connect these stories. Like, it's right there, man. Look, look at the cork board. Look at the yarn. Yeah. Uh, Who is Pepe Silvia? Yeah, Pepe Silvia. Pepe Silvia. Pepe Silvia. <laughs> Are you just connecting this to Tom Bombadil now? <laughs> Charlie Day's Tom Bombadil figuring out the conspiracy theories of Mads Mikkelsen kissing Hugh Dancy on television. <laughs> it was the executives. They knew the whole time. <laughs> yeah, they're the ones in the, with their hands on the puppet strings. They're the puppet masters. Should we leap into the deep dive here? Is that what you want to do? Are you ready? I'm ready. Dive in. I pulled up this picture that was essentially Wolverine is tracking something and it's done from these awful perspectives that keeps changing its point of view it's not drawn particularly well but it was an art submission to marvel and he finally comes through some bushes and then he goes freddie mercury and you just see freddie mercury kind of armed raised like sit standing there all majestic in the jungle steve bunchy who is working with marvel in the 90s wrote this on his blog back in 2012 and i was wondering if they ever figured out who this artist was and i did not find that out but i found out a lot so this is going to be our first rabbit hole so he wrote one of my favorite pastimes was collecting the frequently wacky and often downright insane letters and submissions sent in by marvel readers and eager hopefuls who aspired to join the ranks of chris claremont and frank miller as comic book storytellers the overwhelming majority of the stuff that found its way in my hand would never fly in mainstream comics or comics at all for that matter be it art submissions letters to the editors or my new mission or submission if you will to post some of the classics from files in hopes that the future generation will learn what not to send to comic publishers. But while my goal is to provide cautionary examples, let's get started with what is perhaps my favorite example from the files, a work that never fails to make me grin from ear to ear. So he basically describes the piece that I described to you and then ends it with, seriously, how the fuck does someone even make the leap in narrative logic from depicting Wolverine stalking through the forest to having him run into Freddie Mercury of Queen for no apparent reason? That, dear readers, is a sign of true creativity. <laughs> so that that led me to the Marvel database because, once again, trying to track down who wrote this. Like, did we figure this out yet? It's been nine years. I didn't find the answer to that. But apparently Brian May, the guitarist for Queen, has an entry in there because they have that submission and then they have Brian May below. So I'm like, Brian May, what the hell does he have to do with Marvel? So apparently he was the executive producer of a soundtrack which was collected for the Amazing Spider-Man Master Mix in 1995. This was used as a soundtrack for Marvel's BBC Radio 1 Spider-Man series, which ran for 50 episodes that were three minutes in length. The tracks are The Amazing Spider-Man, Master Mix, The Amazing Spider-Man, 
sad bit, the amazing spider person, brown trouser mix, and the amazing DJ perk for your FX library makes Spidey's favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Like only in the 90s could you get away with names of tracks like these. I went to listen to it. It was just fucking awful, like unlistenable. The guitar riff on the first track sounds a bit like the opening riff of the 1994 animated Spider-Man cartoon. So then I went to look that Brian May do that riff on the cartoon. So he didn't, but Joe Perry from Aerosmith did it. And this apparently came together because John Semper Jr., who was running the show, wanted to use the theme song from the 1967 Spider-Man show, but they wouldn't let him because the creators wanted too much money. So it was cheaper to bring in the guitarist from Aerosmith, and he got to, like, hang out with the guitarist of one of his favorite bands. So then... I was looking into it a little bit further, and the 67 show used comic book villains in their first season, and Stan Lee was a consultant on it, but a new producer took over for season two and three and wanted to cut the cost of the show. So every villain, practically, from season two and three were green-skinned and aliens because they were using stock footage from another show, and that (laughs) show was a Canadian cartoon called Rocket Robin Hood. So here's the entry about it in Wikipedia, and don't worry, this is not very long. Rocket Robin Hood leads his merry men, including the strong, dim-witted, and likable Little John, consummate overeater Friar Tuck, who designs all of Merry Men's weaponry, and his two-fisted, red-headed cousin Will Scarlet, Robin's plucky girlfriend made Marion, because you need a plucky girlfriend, right? Right. And She's other gotta be plucky. What does plucky actually mean? I was thinking it means that she has big boobs and a tiny waist. Yeah, like every woman on TV and cartoons in the 60s. Yeah. She's got huge tracts of land. (laughs) So they live in the astonishing year of 3000 on New Sherwood Forest Asteroid. Oh, it's future. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. And are determined to foil the despotic plans of Prince John and his bumbling lackey, the Sheriff of Not, National Outer Space Terrestrial Territories. Ooh. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) That gives me a, like a Too Many Cooks vibe of like that goofy Too Many Cooks. Yeah. The space too many section. cooks. Yeah, but there's like a section of the of the TV show introduction that it is where it turns into a science fiction show. And the stuff that was in the theme song where they're like Too Many Cooks, like something about spoiling the broth. And then broth is an acronym for something. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a move in the it's 60s so and bizarre. 70s. And the, yeah, just like all the time. Like, that's hilarious. So other villains included Dr. Medulla, Manta, Nocturne, and the warlord Saturn. Rocket Robin Hood and his people fly in spaceships and use weapons such as electro quarterstaffs. Which, like, if you smack somebody with a quarterstaff, that's not enough. Do we have to electrolyze it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. It is the year 3000. Come on. Yeah, come on. 3000. You don't want to use, like, like 1200. That's just, like, patently <laughs> obvious. But okay, year all year three thousand. I saw a picture of it. It's got to be chrome and electrified. So. Electrified for sure. Three thousand. I saw a picture of it though, and they're holding a quarter staff, but it's got the the little lightning. That's like, how much drawing. Iron Man's daughter loves him. Is three thousand. <laughs> it was a Rocket Robin Hood reference. Yeah, <laughs> and they're electrified quarter staffs, and that's where. How do you pick up an electrified quarter staff? Well, and it's not got electric- handles, but it doesn't. I 
looked at it, it looks like an oaken quarterstaff, but it's got the electricity lines around it. It's a fucking cartoon. I don't know, dude. He's uh, got special Robin Hood gloves. It's, he's attuned to the specific frequency of the electricity so it doesn't hurt him or some bullshit. Okay. All right. I'll give you that one. That's actually a pretty good answer because I thought you were going to say something about skin and I was like, well. <laughs> but okay. I mean, it might not actually be all that extra dangerous to another living creature if it's got a low voltage, even if it's high amperage. If it's got low voltage, it won't penetrate anything. It'll just... That's exactly opposite. No, amperage is the power. <laughs> Amperage is what kills you. I know. That's what I'm saying. But voltage is what actually penetrates your body to where the amperage can do any damage. Something with super high amperage and super low voltage will kill you, but it also won't go through your skin. A lightning bolt is high voltage and high amperage and like extremely high amperage. When you are like stick a fork in a socket, you're lowering your resistance by using the fork. You're yeah. creating a conduit that's like that's more conducive for it. So it like, and you've got it creating a ground too, which is a bad idea. We've turned into electrical safety tips. We're making it really not safe for network. Yeah, so (laughs) don't try to stick a fork in a socket because we were talking about it. (laughs) Don't do that. I was just watching a thing about House and he was treating two different people at the same time. One of them was a guy with like some degenerative disease where he's in a wheelchair and he's dying. And then the other guy is a dude that had just been hit by a car and then while he was recovering from that, he stuck a knife into a electrical socket. And so the whole episode was about death. Wilson's like telling him, you don't understand what these people are going through facing death. So fucking House just randomly sticks that same knife that he had taken from the guy into an electrical outlet himself and like zaps himself. They're like, you tried to kill yourself. And he's like, no, I tried to almost kill myself. Because he's like in a hospital. He's like, I'm not going to die. <laughs> I just wanted to try it, see what happened. Surely that won't hurt any future machines plugged into this outlet. <laughs> well, why would that even be? I wouldn't think about the concern about other people. I mean, but if you're doing it to yourself, that's where it becomes a selfish act, you know? Oh, it, the whole thing is selfish, sure. I want you to be wrong, so I'm willing to electrocute myself to prove you wrong and willing to potentially kill somebody whose kidney dialysis machine <laughs> is plugged into this outlet. It causes a power surge, gives them super kidney powers. <laughs> Dude, I think you Kidney should be man. a consultant on the new Rocket Robin Hood show. I think you got a lot of good ideas. Uh, Kidney is an acronym. <laughs> <laughs> So Carl Mantras voiced Heitner and Manta on the Rocket Robin Hood show. And his next role was Peter Parker in that 1967 cartoon. His job right after that was a Smokey Bear show. It was based off the Dell comic of the same name, which in Canada, they don't have the. And it, it's not Smokey the Bear. It's just Smokey Bear because that's his name. Right. So if you looked up in a phone book, it would be Bear Smokey. Smokey Bear, Canada's fire safety advocate. Yes. As well as America. Because there they're both based off of the actual bear that got burned in a forest and rescued. And okay. then they animated said bear and made him tell us about forest fires. What's the country that Mitch Hedberg tells that joke in? <laughs> Great Britain. Yeah. Because yeah. it's Smacky the they Frog, Smacky right? the Frog, yeah. <laughs> 
I knew you were going there. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. No, it's all good. Mitch I... Hedberg is a national treasure. He'll be missed. Yeah, absolutely. He's he been missed Yeah, for a while. That's, that's what I should have said. Uh, anyway, so it was based off of Dell Comics, and it had plots about two bears who are communist spies and another about two cynical weasels who want to feed a baby bird to a bobcat in order to sell pictures of tragedy to a magazine. This is a kid's show! <laughs> <laughs> sounds like an excellent kid's show. <laughs> yeah, it sounds interesting, that's for sure. So Dell Comics made their money primarily off of licensing pre-existing characters like the universe Monsters, Disney cartoons, Looney Tunes, The Lone Rangers, and Lil 8-Ball. Lil 8-Ball was in three cartoons and voiced by Mel Blanc. He was a black child that was literally colored black with giant oh. lips and a shaved head. Responding in 1947 to a group of eight-year-old school children who had complained about 8-Ball, Dell's managing editor Oscar Lebeck wrote, and this is the most white privilege you'll ever read. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Dear boys and girls, aren't you a little unfair to imply that our editors discriminated against against colored people in our little eight ball stories. I can assure all of you it was not our intention to make fun of the, well, we'll leave that word out, as you put in your letter. If you were right, wouldn't we also be discriminating against all the white children when we caricature boys and girls such as our little Lulu strips or Henry or many others? Should we leave out the Irish cop or the funny Italian organ grinder <laughs> or the fat German delicatessen, etc., etc.? And I'm like, yes, yes, yes! What's <laughs> It's yeah, like, don't do any out. of that. <laughs> However, in Replace order... Replace it all with Tom Bombadil. <laughs> yeah. However, in order that there should be no doubt in anyone's mind, I have decided to discontinue the Lil 8-Ball stories effective with the September <laughs> issue. Lil 8-Ball. Jesus. Oh, shit. So that was my deep dive. Like, shit has changed, but not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that took some turns, man. I like that idea of that being one of the variations of the deep dive segment is for this this deep dive, we're going down a rabbit hole. Like sound effects. And it's all the production will increase as the show goes on, folks. Just keep that in mind. But, it's going to get better. I want to start putting in little theme songies for stuff here and there, sound effects. I'm going to get a soundboard and make buttons. But also, if you have submissions for this, we will totally play them on the air. We can't guarantee that we'll use it permanently, but we'll use it once at least, if not permanently, right? Like, this is a way to engage people. Yeah, if you want to do a rabbit hole theme song or a deep dive theme song or a what are we thinking about today theme song, fucking send us that shit. Absolutely. All right, for our final segment today, we're keeping the battles alive. The battles do not go away. We're always got to be pitting shit against each other. Yeah, if you heard our previous podcast, Box Office Battle, we gleefully pitted two movies against each other. But this time we're just going to pit whatever the fuck we want against each other for yeah. pop culture. Except we can't pit John Cougar Mellencamp against... Tom Petty, because it's the same guy. It's not the same guy. <laughs> Tom Petty's so much better. And They're you the just same did guy. It. You Have just you did ever it by really saying that. Listened to White Light. That is Tom Petty singing on that song. Except, wait, that's a John Cougar Mellencamp song. Honestly, John Cougar John Mellencamp, Cougar Mellencamp so is a better singer, but Tom Petty's the same, a way better writer. They are the same guy. And John Cougar Mellencamp was tired of like having to continue to tour as old as he fucking 
Hogan was as Tom Petty. And he doesn't have to tour as John Cougar Mellencamp. Nobody's crying out for more John Cougar Mellencamp tours. But they were still crying out for Tom Petty. So he had to let Tom Petty die. And now he can just be John Cougar Mellencamp and hang out by his pool or whatever. But that is not the battle. <laughs> what you didn't see was like there was a yarn connecting from Tom Bombadil like across the room. So far. I, I think we missed some tags on the way though. <laughs> There's a few extra steps. This segment is brought to you by the No Sweat Cafe, winner of the second annual Biggie Awards for Achievement in Breakfast Burritos. Wrap your mouth around one today. And now we take you to the Grateful Bread Videodrome located in downtown Valhalla. This time I want to get a definitive answer to this because we got these characters in these TV shows. For narrative sake and whatnot, we cut them a lot of slack. You know, we cut some characters more slack than others. And two characters that we've been cutting too much slack for too long are Groot and Chewbacca. Those (laughs) bastards. And, you know, honestly, let's throw all the droids in there, too. All the Star Wars droids that don't actually speak language. The beepers and the squawkers. (laughs) Your R2-D2s. Your your R4s. Your BB-8s. And so the thing that all of these characters and Groot have in common is that they don't speak language. Groot says, I am Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. And and we are Groot. I see. (laughs) See, he breaks too many rules. He's got five words he can say. And then Chewbacca is like, I can't do it. (laughs) Yeah. And then the the fucking robots are like beep 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 pew pew pow pow, and somehow they'll be like beep 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 beep, and then it's like oh thanks for telling me about the the guards on the other side of that door R two or like doesn't R two usually kind of tell him to fuck off though because C three PO is always like well I never see now I've never heard such C three PO talking to R two doesn't fucking matter because he's a droid and he could be programmed to understand and that that's why they're not allowed to drink in bars because they're different than us yeah <laughs> so i want to pit these characters against each other in a spelling contest classic fifth grade spelling bee stand up to the microphone the judge is like your word is cursive and then they have to say cursive C-U-R-S-I-V-E, cursive. In English language spelling bee? Well, that's what the audience <laughs> – the audience <laughs> well, is mean, English. Just like... Speak English or Japanese. I mean, you can – whatever. It's human language. The audience, they're, they're doing a human language spelling bee. So the interesting thing in non-canon Star Wars so – Or we'll, common. Call it common. I would make a case for Chewbacca here because there was some Timothy Zahn novels – back when the extended universe was a real thing, uh, before Disney bought it out. And he had this book where they go to Kashyyyk and they find out that there's this one Wookiee who can talk and they can actually understand him and he's he's speaking basic to him which you know is english for basic. Us, right? that's what they call it they basic. call it basic yeah okay. in star wars and that makes sense white people are pretty basic yeah totally. <laughs> and it's whatever language and whatever 
country you're you're watching <laughs> yeah, it. In, yeah, right? you don't yeah. see any like live, laugh, love wall decorations on a Klingon's wall that's like says it in Klingon. It'd <laughs> 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 be like death, honor, violence. <laughs> but we did find out in Star Trek Six that you can't truly understand Shakespeare unless you hear it in the original Klingon. So original was, Klingon. Yeah, that, oh. that was Christopher Plummer saying that. that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, so that Timothy Zahn novel, basically they lay out that this one Wookiee, everybody can understand him. And so they're saying like, oh, so Chewbacca's got a speech impediment. And he's like, <laughs> like does his little furball laugh, right? And it's because he speaks perfect Wookiee and this guy has a speech impediment. So because of his speech impediment, he's easier to understand to English speakers. So. Oh man, that complicates things. I think because he is speaking Wookiee or apparently he's speaking the same language as us. We just can't understand him because of his heavy accent. So I think if somebody can like crack that accent, I maintain it would be Chewbacca. Well, the thing is like they also, there are certain characters that can fluently understand Groot and the whole, the way that Groot talks like, I don't think it is exactly – there's been multiple explanations by different writers over the years. That, Which Groot are we talking about? Are we talking about movie Groot or like – Well, just Groot? the character in general has okay. been in existence for decades. Thor apparently took an elective for Groot. Yeah, right? which yeah. I maintain – as much as I enjoy that line, I feel like it was a mistake because – Do you think it was just part of the It just Wars? makes all sorts of implications – that don't need to be – it creates a bunch of threads to pull that aren't ever going to go anywhere. And just how deliciously cruel of Taika Waititi because <laughs> I'm pretty sure – He didn't do that one. No, no, but he was, was a consultant brothers. for those – sections. And doesn't that just feel like a thing that he did to kind of punch something up? Or it was his influence on the character that inspired Chris Hemsworth to say that line off the cuff because it does not feel like it was in the script, right? You're probably right on that. And or at least Russos, it wasn't in the first I wouldn't first be surprised draft. if he just riffed it and the Russos were like, that's great, we're keeping it in. And it, it just, to me, that is a very Taika Waititi-ish line. It kind like, of is, yeah. And along the same lines, I just want to mention really quick that one of my favorite things to do when I'm watching John Oliver's show is I listen to it and I pretend that Daniel O'Brien is – the one saying all this stuff. There's been a few that there are out. several jokes that I'm like, this was written in his voice. Anytime that he starts to go off on a tragedy and then like winds up talking about, I don't know, Downton Abbey or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, that's Daniel O'Brien right there. <laughs> and a lot of the self-deprecating jokes, there are certain ones that I'm like, I'm pretty sure Daniel O'Brien wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just neither here nor there. Just a funny thing. One of the Inhumans, Maximus, uh, he's the younger brother of Blackagar Boltagon, a.k.a. Black Bolt. Huh. I wonder if he came up with his superhero name. You know, it's funny, too, because his superpower is, like, if he talks, his voice is, like, will just, like, sonic waves will destroy anything. So he never speaks. How does that translate to Black Bolt? Like, you imagine a Black Bolt can, like, shoot Black Bolts of Black Lightning or some bullshit like black that. Black Lightning's <laughs> literally a character. Well, I mean, like, lightning that is literally black. Yeah. You know? Or, like, uh, like a bolt. Or, you like, know? Yeah, or like, an archer or something. Black 
crossbow bolt or, you know, like, who knows? Shoots out antimatter or something. Guy who can't talk because his voice will knock a building down. So you're thinking about this through the perspective of we named him after we knew his powers, but maybe they didn't know his powers and they named him Black Bolt. And they're just like, yeah, that's a really cool name. Let's call him Black Bolt. He's going to be an archer. He's going to take after me. He's going to be a little archer. (laughs) And then he just cries for the first time and destroys everybody. Don't talk about Seamus like that. Where do you fall on this uh, Groot Chewbacca thing? Chewbacca can speak Wookiee. You know, Wookiee. That's an actual language. language. You know, he could spell stuff. I mean, he could spell cursive in Wookiee. Well, I got distracted. Maximus talks about. In one of the comics that I've read, he talks about how the only reason that he if, – if Groot could speak regular speech if he was a younger creature in these in the comics at this point, his vocal cords have hardened to the point where they can only form that phrase. But if you are sophisticated enough to listen to like the breeze behind the words – it's all the information is in the air. But is which, the information of the letters in the air? That's the question. Well, it doesn't help that Maximus is completely insane. Yeah. <laughs> and so his flowery description is, in is you know, borderline incoherent anyways. And then throw in the fact that he's also crazy. But he does seem to be able to hold a sophisticated conversation. And this is an older Groot. Now, the Groot that we know, he's younger. He's like super young by comparison. James Gunn has said that the baby Groot to the teenager Groot, like that is a different Groot. That when they soiled the plant, that Groot that saved them actually died. And this is a new Groot. This is his offspring, essentially. So this is a, a second, a third generation from the first movie? Second generation. Second generation, yeah. First. Third. The first generation was the old Groot in the first movie and then the baby Groot. Who grew into the teenager Groot. Is, yeah. I, but I thought you were saying the baby and the teenager were different. I worded it poorly. Okay. So the old Groot and the new young Groot are, are like progeny. Yeah. They're related, but they're not the same. Yeah, I, I, I've read that as well. So You threw me off when I thought there were three groups. <laughs> so if we're going MCU Groot 100%, <clears throat> that's not true because Baby Groot and Teenage Groot has no interest in saying anything but I am Groot. Well, and I think what would wind up happening is they would be like, your word is terror. And then he'd go, I, and they'd go wrong. I mean, he could spell rim because he can say R. I and M. Can he say the letters though? <laughs> he can say those. He can. He can only say I am Groot in that order. But he can. I don't vo- think he can rearrange the pieces of how he talks. He has to. That's right, because Rocket literally says he only says I am and Groot and in, in that, that order. In that order. <laughs> Like you can't rearrange his because it's like it's imagine that like the words themselves have been kind of etched into his vocal cords. And anytime air rushes through, it just like the same sentence comes out, you know, and there is like 
I've heard that there is uh, there's neurological conditions that you can suffer from where you think that you're talking normally, but you're you're re- saying I am Groot. You, over and over that again. is a thing that can literally happen to a person. They won't say I am Groot. They'll say something else, but it's definitely happened to people. I've seen it with people they, who have they strokes. get locked in. Yeah, like, they, I've literally yeah. taken care of two people with strokes that uh, they say things that are utter nonsense, but you know generally what they're talking about. Yeah, like they're in their mind, they're saying what they want to say. That's why they get frustrated with you mm-hmm. when you don't understand what they're saying because from their perspective, they are being perfectly clear. They're just – they mop their biscuit. They mop their biscuit. <laughs> what? <laughs> mop their biscuit. Like – Just fat dog in it. Yeah. Always the fat dog mopping your biscuits and the fat dog. What did we discover here? Like who's going to – does anybody win this? Uh, well, the thing is this is the, where it gets me. It's like – so I think that they both lose. But – of the two, I think Chewbacca has a way better chance of successfully completing one. The thing, except, can I, can I bring it to reality here? It's going to be Groot that wins. You know why? Because the other two are slaves. Like when you talk about Chewbacca and you talk about droids, they're essentially <laughs> enslaved, and Groots are not enslaved. So Groot doesn't gets to compete in the tournament. He's the closest to white, so that's <laughs> oh, why wow. he's gonna win. Like I'm just assuming the spelling bee is in America, right? It's in like uh, it's at Hawthorne Elementary School. <laughs> in yeah, hundred percent. Groot's gonna win. It's unfortunate. Groot doesn't deserve to win, but Groot's gonna win. He'll at least get the first letter of I words right. <laughs> that's true. If they say like isotope, and he's like I, and they're like go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he had us going for a second. Hey, yeah, he'd get like the first two letters, and then he's impossible like, as yeah. he walks off. <laughs> yeah, impossible. I mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what would happen is they'd be like, uh, uh, "Your word is imgroot, imgroot." Yeah, that <laughs> your word is I. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> we were yeah, looking sh- for EYE. The other judge is just punching him like, shut the fuck up. I wanted to get out of here. This has been going for seven hours. But like the thing is, it's like even though I don't speak any other language on earth, I only speak English. With practice, I could vocalize the alphabet of another language if they use a different alphabet from my own. And a lot of our foreign languages use the same set of letters, characters. Mostly. So that we can articulate. And so that's what has always weirded me out is like we, according to the the Wikipedias and the Wookiepedias, we can't even as humans speak Wookie because apparently our vocal cords aren't sophisticated enough to go. Well, yours certainly aren't. <laughs> <laughs> that was a flawless Chewbacca. <laughs> Oh, on the subject of flawless impressions, uh, so I've been pra- I've been practicing my Morgan Freeman. <laughs> oh but no! <laughs> only because I I've decided that the every single time I start my impression, I'm always gonna talk. It's always gonna be <laughs> so. It's gonna Andy Dufresne waded through a mile of shit and came out clean on the other side. You Andy, got side. 
You, Andy, you're, you're terrible on the rest of it, but you Andy did get Dufresne. signed. Andy Dufresne. I just say, say like side saying, again. Say side again. Side. No, you lost it. I, <laughs> I just like saying Andy Dufresne. I'll meet you in Sewantaneo. <laughs> Why are you doing him like Forrest Gump? <laughs> I'm not. Am I? I'm a white guy. What? <laughs> I can't do it right, but I'm going to get it someday. Well, if you went to the spelling bee, you would win. So I there's could no beat, question. That's the lesson that we've learned here is I could beat Groot and Chewbacca in a spelling bee. And all the droids. And all those fucking Save droids. Save C-3PO. Um, yeah, I was going to say. Like, he's got a lot of languages. No, these are, the non, these are the non-linguistic droids. Okay, I do got one more question because you did lump in the droids at the beginning. So if we are lumping in the droids, is it possible some nerd on the internet you just like send in and they can give you like a new motherboard or something for R2-D2 to pop into You're him. saying give him a voice chip. Yeah, like could he cheat and come up with it? I don't think that's cheating. Droids are droids. Once he changes what he is, he can compete all he wants because he has a voice now. Okay. It's probably Jerry Seinfeld. So, but... <laughs> 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 but he wouldn't win either. What is the deal he wouldn't win either because he'd be like, spell hey. egg. And he'd be like, E, G, G, I was wondering. Like, and then hey, it's just C-3PO. like. <laughs> what is the deal with the Sith? I can't even. <laughs> Andy Dufresne. <laughs> I told him I was a man who knows how to get things. That's still for a scope. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's when you do the get things. Here's what you're doing. You're like leaning too far on the southern drawl, and your southern drawl sounds like Forrest Gump. Like it just does. No offense. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Dufresne, would you like a box of chocolates? All right. We're going to end on this. But I don't know if this is racist, but it's probably it's trending that way. <laughs> it's not. When I'm it, allowed to do a specific person, even if they happen to be black. That's not racist. Okay. So this is something I want to end at every episode. I want to go over what we've learned. So <laughs> We've I've, learned that it's okay for me to practice my Morgan Freeman impersonation. I've learned that white privilege exists, even if it's through <laughs> a Dell Comics that. representative <laughs> or if it's Groot winning a spelling bee or if it's my co-host doing a Morgan Freeman impression <laughs> that sounds like Forrest Gump. Well, the, it's the fact that I can't do it good. I have to practice. <laughs> it's not good now. But you're going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and figure it out? Apparently it's (laughs) podcast ready, even though it's not good. I'm not gonna, but I mean, honestly, I need the feedback because I'm not gonna. I, I'm, if I do it in front of a mirror by myself, I'll just be like, nailed it. <laughs> you know, I don't want to live in a bubble about this. I need to get better at it, so I need to put it out there. Send get out of your echo chamber. Send me emails. <laughs> about <laughs> what, what did you about, learn today, Brandon? So I learned there's a Tom Jones. No, thanks. The Clancy. Tom Bombadil. Bombadil. Dong Bombadil. That's coming. <laughs> Tom Horn parody. Yeah. Tom Bombadil. Did you not know that he existed as a no, character? No, not at all. <laughs> oh, You're man. a movie guy. You have yeah. not you know gone what? down you're the not, nerd holes that I've gone down. You're not missing out on much for not reading the books, but you're and missing out I on Tom Bombadil. I don't know who he is, but I want Charlie Day to play him. <laughs> <laughs> That's good casting. 
They need to Amazon, give me a call. I'll <laughs> cast you some shit. <laughs> this is going to be fun, guys. Yeah, stay with us. Take it easy. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Follow us or reach out on Instagram at NSF underscore network, Facebook's Not Safe for Network page, or email Not Safe for Network podcast at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Alex Small. Listen to all the podcasts on the Not Safer Network. Go in depth with your favorite movies and explore the themes, the influences, and the core of what made it great. Every week, listen to A Cosmic Void. Jump back into the new season of Movies with Wrestlers as Eric and Connor answer the question, who makes the better movies, John Cena or The Rock? Revisit classic TV shows with a modern eye in the show, In Syndication. And two movies that were box office bombs, underappreciated, or forgotten to time are dissected and thrown into battle with each other in a continuing effort to pull a cinematic diamond out of the rough every week on Box Office Battle.